Welcome to CTO Think, a podcast about leadership, product development, and tech decisions between two recovering chief technology officers. Here are your hosts, Don Vandemark and Randy Burgess. Hey, Randy, what's going on this week? Uh, I got a job. <laughs> hey, congratulations. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not going to go into details on the company until I start. Oh, it feels like count your chickens before they hatch type of thing. But yeah, um, I did accept. I got two legit offers um, in the last week, and I accepted one. It's a firm based out of Chicago, and it's a fully remote engineering team. So why, 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 if you got two offers, why'd you only accept one, except both get twice the money, right? Well, that's what, that was the problem before is I had three ongoing contracts at any given time the last three years. And it's just started to wear me out in the sense of, yeah, it's not some, like every job I have has context switching, multitasking. That's just how it goes as you move up the experience ladder. But there's something to be said for when you have to deal with three different companies and their different cash flow payments and invoices, and they each have different styles for how you work with them and their people. And it just starts to be too much after a while. When you're only one person, if I had more than one person um, as like a partner that could do everything that I do, then that would be, of course, uh, you know, much more manageable. But so, yeah, I I didn't do the accept both offers and see see if I can somehow do a 40, an 80 hour work week into 40. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so that will start in the next week or two. I could do onboarding on site and then be working with a team that's distributed across the United States. Sure. Well, congratulations. Yep. Thanks. I guess we could talk about the recruiting process again. I could rant a little bit more. <laughs> I mean, Why don't we talk about what, 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 what went right? Oh, so the two firms I got position that I took an offer with, let's talk about, yeah, let's talk about why I like them both. Um, yeah. One of them was a local firm in Casey, um, an agency. And they, both firms did a lot of either face-to-face through video or face-to-face in person interview time. I would say I talked to both firms for almost total time-wise about, I don't know, five to eight hours in total. Sure. And talking to different people. And the remote firm I talked to more, I talked to the person that I will directly report to I talked to product managers. I talked to I talked to the whole team at one point for a half hour. Um, I talked to a probably twenty different people on a video call, and sure. I also talked to two engineers, and they kind of went through my resume and asked me pointed questions um, about 
development and code as it relates to them and, and what my experience is. <clears throat> and the other firm, the, the firm, the local firm, probably I talked to one of the co-founders, the VP of engineering and two of their developers. And the thing that was the thing that, that was it stood out across both parties was that one, they didn't do code review. They didn't do uh, code challenges. They didn't try to sure. waste my time doing a project that then they would have to go and then analyze. And that's one thing I kind of stayed away from. I basically told companies that. Would, companies would tell me flat out, we love your resume. Your experience looks great. Now do this code test. And I was just like, no, I'm not doing it. Like this, that, that right. you're, you just presented a complete conflict of why do you like my resume? Why am I doing this test? It's because you're lazy and you're hiring. And that's just my attitude. Um, the two firms that I really liked went and got to know me through talking and discussion and we talked about in-depth technical challenges and the way I would approach things and how I work with people on a team. But the people that went from, we really loved your experience. Now take this test. So we don't waste our time that, and some of these things were like, some of them were simple. They were like, Hey, this will take you an hour. Some of them were like three hours. Some of them were, there's one that was like their whole recruiting schedule would take literally a w 40 hours, I think, across mm -hmm. interviews and homework, homework, interviews, flying me out to meet people. And I, was, I swear, this was a company that I was like, you sent the, the way he described it, the pro the company to me was you lost your entire team in the last month and you have to rebuild it from scratch. And then they're going to go through that process of hiring that takes 40 hours of time. And I'm like, I think you got right. bigger issues than just the hiring process, but I'm surely not going to expend 40 hours for the chance to work in that disaster. And it's, it wasn't ever presented of like, here's a position that you can help correct the problems we have here. It was just more of, we need bodies to code and, that's not the job I was looking for. So what I liked about that doesn't sound like a good, no, it doesn't sound like a good environment. And so in a way, the companies that are doing the hiring with, you know, what I call the lazy um, homework method is, are the ones that kind of help me save time. Cause when they present that, when they hire that way, I just don't trust that I'm going to be working um, in an environment that really understands what it, what it really takes. Because I feel like the two companies, the company I accepted and the one that I turned down, focused a ton about people, a ton about communication. They talked a lot about coachability. They can't, we need to hire people that are coachable. Like you don't walk in and just you figured it all out. And you, you are able to learn new things because we are going to throw new challenges at you that you don't have experience with. Like we just talked at length. And I really got a grasp and both firms use the word empathy at some point um, or fished it the word out of me so that they knew that I knew what they were about. And I just felt like 
with both teams, these are great. These people understand that what it takes to build a great technology team is not about code. It is so much about people. And that's what you need to focus on. And so I, when I got both offers, I was just like, I've, it was really, it was great to get offers from both firms because it validated that what I cared about and what they cared about kind of was in sync, I guess. And I took right. the, the job with the more remote firm. One, because I really feel that remote work, building remote teams is the big, like what the way everything is going. And I want to work with a bigger remote team, a bigger engineering team that is, has that remote experience or that remote setup completely. The other firm said, sure. Hey, you know, we let people work where and when they want, but I was at their office and they had just expanded. And it was very obvious that their culture is built on local face-to-face -face fidelity. And there's nothing wrong with that, of course. It's just more of, if I'm going to be remote, I want to work with a team that is structured for the communication and the, the workflow to be remote. And that's kind of what gave me a good, a bump with that particular role. Sure. I'm trying to think anything sure. else. Oh, so the other thing the firm I went to work with did, and this is what nobody else seemed to care about. Like, I can't remember the last time a firm actually followed up on references. But you, and actually you oh, okay. were, whatever, whatever you said, they ignored because they still hired me. And it was <laughs> a process where you pick out three people that you have reported to or worked with, not a family member or a buddy. I don't know how, what you count as. You count as both. For, um, but the, <laughs> you send them, they basically, you send an email to them. They fill out a survey about you. And maybe you can talk a little bit about that. And they use that as a reference. And they use it after all the interviews. I thought it was kind of interesting. I, was, sure. I guess it maybe is a time saver. If they aren't going to move forward, they don't make you go through that. But um after all the interviews was the last step of here, we need some references from you. I gave them six um, over my career and all, I think all of them filled it out too. And one person thought it was spam. They're like, am I supposed to fill this out? Really? <laughs> I was like, please. So the, um, that, so they went through that process and I can't think of anything else. The, the Kansas City firm did have a more extensive application. They asked a lot of questions and they that were more unique for filling out. So it took me about an hour to fill out their application. But it was all questions I thought were very relevant um, to ask someone to find out if you're a good fit for their culture. Sure. So anyway, that was the last step that I thought was unique with the Chicago firm was the reference check, an automated process that didn't take me very long to set up and then probably took, you have to, you would have to speak for how long it took you to fill out all the great things you said about me. <laughs> yeah. It, what it was, was it, it, it was something, it, it was called like pre 360 or something like that. And, and it was very much in the style of, you know, those 
360 reviews where yeah. um, you, you, you ask all the people around you how you're doing uh, and uh, companies do that. And you ask your reports, you ask who you report to, you ask your peers, things like that. So um, it was very much a here's 10 things to rank Randy zero through 10 on. Um, and then uh, describe his strengths, describe his weaknesses. It, at the end of the day, I wasn't thrilled with it. Oh, really? Um, it, it, it's fine. Um, I don't know that I'd use that specifically. I'd much rather actually talk to a reference. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, than, than, than just have them fill out a form. Um, it, it, it was fine. Um, the, the, the struggle I had was what are uh, filling out the area of what areas can and Randy improve in. Um, and, and, and as a, as a person providing a positive reference, that's always uh, a difficult one. And whenever you're asking an interview, what are your weaknesses? You usually have a, an answer or two for that, 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 you know, it's a weakness, but it's a hidden strength, that sort of thing. But your um, your reply of can't improve on perfection should suffice, right? You know, if I had come up with that, I'm sure I would have uh, not used that. I didn't. See, I didn't see the responses, by the way, so I have no idea what sure. you actually said. I mean, and, and what, no, it, and I can't imagine. I haven't filled. I actually did fill one of those out for um, someone once. And I just did the whole Uber, I call it the Uber review. Unless they really, really, really screw something up, they're getting fives across the board type of deal. And that's kind of how I did it too. Oh, well, yeah. For Uber, my uh, my, my keyboard has has, a, has words memorized uh, because I've typed it so much. It's essentially Randy's car was, no, Randy was courteous and his car was clean and comfortable. <laughs> That, that's every every Uber review is, is is that unless they completely mess up, yeah. Um, which kind of just shows the whole review system's broken. But we knew that, yeah. Um, so it, it, the um, at, at the end of the day, it was fine. I it, it took me probably half an hour because I, I I sat there for twenty minutes structuring my answer to that one question. Um, be, because at the end of the day, I don't want to shoot you in the foot, but I, I want to give them something meaningful yeah. to work with. And, and what I went with, um, and this will be the last episode of CTO because <laughs> Randy's going to be pissed at me after this. Uh, what, what I went with is Randy needs to be convinced when he's not, when, when the direction he's going is not correct. um so so that's not exactly how i phrase it It was more of he's not stubborn but (laughs) you you gotta kind of build up the evidence um so that's what i went with i was like that's not a bad statement it it's just he 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 likes to see all the evidence presented before him before he's going to change the direction oh yeah and i i don't i don't dispute that i mean it is last episode of ct i think Good knowing you, but the, <laughs> it is true. No, it's true that I, I do want more than gut feels on things to make choices. Um, yeah. 
whether that's good or bad is always a debate. Depends on too much how much I hang on some to something. But I've give I've become right. more flexible over the years. I think. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I I don't disagree with that at all. Um, so yeah, that, like I said, it, it it was more how to word that than just say Randy's a stubborn pain <laughs> in the ass. That 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 wasn't going to work. So I had to work around how to how to phrase it. <laughs> Well, the uh, is that why they is that why they took off a whole chunk of the salary? So here, so, yes. <laughs> so actually, on that point, here's the I found it another part of the process that I went through with everybody were firms asking me to negotiate up front, and this has backfired already earlier when I moved here, where I told a recruiter specifically a range to that ant to that question and the company said they loved me wanted to bring me in and i told the recruiter i don't accept bonuses as base like if i give you a range that base is, i'm talking about the base I'm not talking about some bonus that magically may happen based on the whole company's performance i can't bet on that and it has nothing to do with what i actually do <clears throat> so i just said hey i've got a range and we're talking about base. And then they came in 20K lower on the base and said, your bonus will make it up. And I'm like, uh, no, I can't. Um, like, you, we already discussed this, you know. But with these two companies, the, the job I accepted, they discuss, we discussed a range up front. And they stuck to it at the end. Like, I never, they, their offer fit right there at the number we talked about. The second firm, sure. actually, they asked the question after all the interviews, when I walked out of the building in front on the sidewalk right before I was getting in my car. And I told them point blank, I'm like, so you're asking me to start negotiations on something right now, right here, after all of that? And they were like, we don't want to offend you with a low offer. And I'm like, well... It's, it seems like you're putting me on the spot to be to give you a number that could erase all of the last three hours of talking. So I gave them a range, and they actually they didn't come even close to it, which was fine in the sense that we didn't establish a number way beforehand. But I do think it's important if a company like I, in my personal opinion, companies have the leverage. They should open up negotiations. I don't know what your opinion is on yeah. that, but I think it's really yeah, it's... crappy to put it on the job searcher to start negotiations, even though yes, it's more it's it's not going to be worth your time to go through a hiring process if someone is a double what you are paying. I just don't know the best way to start it. So I don't. I'm sympathized with as I've hired people myself. I don't know what what your opinion is on the best way to pitch that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, having been on both ends of it, I'm trying to, to having been on both ends, I see both sides um, as, as the employer, I'll take the employer side since you're the, you're the, the you're the higher yeah. side. Um, I don't want to overpay. Um, 
for the most part, I don't want to overpay. I don't want to come out and say, um, I'm going to offer this position X and you were looking for, you know, 10 to 20,000 less. All of a sudden you're like, Hey, that sounds great to me. Um, that's that. And, and, and the reason for that is it's just, um, it's a, it's, it's a market that, that isn't settled. Um, so, so I'm- but, but that said, that said, I don't want to come across that. If that's the number I have in my head, why does it matter what you were expecting um, or what you were willing to take? If that's the number that I'm willing to pay for that position, regardless of whomever, whoever I'm offering it to, that should be good enough. And that's, that's where I struggle. Um, not everyone. So in order for you to work in order for that attitude to work, everyone up the chain has to believe in that. Yeah. So you can, you can't be, be the only one who believes in it. Everyone above you has to believe in that too. And I've worked <clears throat> in companies where that's just not true. I can believe it all I want, but if, if my boss doesn't believe that he's going to be like, okay, what, what do they want? So- and, and, that's hard so to navigate. I guess I want to rewind on a little bit on why your goal as a company is not to to create seats for people to sit in. Like that's no one yeah. starts a company so that you can pay people money just to be there. The whole idea of hiring someone yeah. is that there is a value proposition for bringing a person on board. So in a way like you, you, the company person hiring should say, if I hire this person and they're kick ass, how much money do they make this firm? Now it's hard as you get bigger and you scale to put a value on each person. But in a way there, you, you, you still can say like, if this person comes in and is awesome, aren't they going to, in theory, empower this company to make way more money than we hire them for? Like, even if it's preventing tech debt from getting out of going crazy, they're saving you money. So you're talking about, I have a certain range I'm willing to pay. The market says, like, I like to hire smart people. And smart smart people know what their value is on the market. So in a way, like I don't want, I don't want to hire a contractor or a person that it, that is completely oblivious to for how, what the market is that they're in. Like I want to hire someone that's intelligent about, hey, what's important to companies that I work for in in this field. So in a, like I guess, and I'm not trying to advocate that you should overpay. It's just more of you started this conversation about, I don't want to overpay. <clears throat> and I'm thinking, and I'm thinking, yeah. don't you want to hire the very, very best person because they'll make you money? Why? So isn't there a disconnect? Okay. That, that, that's perfectly fine. No, there's, there's no disconnect. That's perfectly fine. Okay. Let's, let's, let's play an example here. Okay. I'm going to hire you. Mm-hmm. You want to make 30 coconuts a month for, <laughs> for your payment. 
Mm-hmm. I only want to pay, tw- I, I, I'm willing to pay up to 50 coconuts a month for your payment. Okay. If I come to you and I say, well, we're thinking of offering you 50 coconuts. Are you going to say, oh, no, I'm, that that's okay. I only need 30. No, you're going to be like, okay, that's great. I've already overpaid the number of coconuts I got to pay out a month. Regardless of how much money you're bringing into the firm. Yes, that's the, that's the amount I was willing to pay. But it's all a negotiation at some point. Yeah, but I so, guess, do you care it, if you... Yes, Why I care you... very much. I care very much that I, there were 20 coconuts I could have kept because those 20 coconuts can be redeployed elsewhere. But your ultimate goal was to hire the best person to do a job that would bring you in 150 coconuts, right? Yeah, yeah. And you're, you're, and what, you're hemming but, and hawing over but, 20? That's what I don't get. Yes. That's, that's because, a, that's, because that's those, 20, hiring, those 20... But it's, that's fine. You can believe that. But as a business owner, every coconut is important. Okay. So. Okay. If if I can get away, if, if you are the right person and I have a choice of paying you 30 or 50, why would I want to pay 50? Okay. Because no, I'm, my argument is wrong. I, okay. I totally get why you want the 20. Are you so, but I think what my question is is it worth the risk of hiring mediocrity, meeting, hiring mediocre people for that 20 coconuts? Because basically, the companies that him and hawed with me on salary, I didn't go work for. Yeah. I, I'm pretty confident based on my experience that I can deliver what I promise. Sure. And so, if you if you him and haw over twenty coconuts, when I when when you're going to give me a job that is a value of hundred and fifty, but it yep. depends on me delivering. It depends on that person yeah. you hire delivering to get the one fifty. I don't. I feel like you're taking a really big risk on hiring the best talent because the best talent knows they should get paid more. All right, so I'm going to I'm going to spin it. So yes, we're I, I think we're I think we're arguing all the important points. Yeah. Um, whether whether we uh, without determining who's right, who's wrong, I'm going to come a different way at it. Okay. So, what if I'm not trying to hire the so. No, it's fine. What if I'm not trying to hire? What if I'm not trying to hire the best talent? Okay. You use the word the best talent. It, it, I want to change that. I don't necessarily want to hire the best talent. I want to hire the best talent for this price range. Okay. okay? The best talent is a different statement. <clears throat> well, yeah, but I guess what you're all, the only thing that I'm getting at is I'm probably in the, in the hiring mode that you're talking about, I'm asking for the 150 coconuts. You said 130. I mean, I don't care if you if you were to say to me, "Hey, I'm willing to like, what's your range?" and I give you a 130 number and you save 20, that's cool. I'm the one that set the number. But if you squeeze smart, intelligent labor 
in a, in a scarce market, I don't think you're going, you're not going to find bargains a lot. You, no, I agree with that. And so that's what I'm kind of getting at is now maybe you don't need to hire the best, but I'm not telling you to pay 170. I'm just saying if you say that you're willing to pay 150, go for that 150 coconut talent. And I see you've already you've already negotiated your way up because we were talking about 30 and 50 coconuts. You're already at the 130. <laughs> so, I've lost track. So see, I can't I can't work with you. <laughs> no, yeah. But, but I, I, mean, I tell you what, I I I've got I I can work with you, but first I need to send you 10 coconuts and you need to shell them. <laughs> as as a coding challenge yeah <laughs> so the 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 that the the part i want to argue against myself is i do believe at the end of the day if if i got to just wave a magic wand and say this is the way all companies will work from this point forward i believe the company should make the first move on yeah it. okay they should they should set the range Okay. And if it doesn't match, great, fine, whatever, you find somebody else. Um, the, the, if, you, if you rely on the candidate to set the range, that is a discriminatory is the wrong word because it's too strong, but it does hinder, um, certain populations because they're not going to believe they're worth their, their, their worth more. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so, so in, in, in a, in a time of trying to be more equal in a time of trying to serve all communities, um, the company offering the right range is the right thing to do. Um, and, and we, we keep kicking around hiring, a, a third developer for Aspire EDU. And when we do that, I'm going to set the range. I'm going to say, this is our range. Let's find some, let's find the best person we can find yeah. in this range. It, it, that doesn't mean the best person we can find, but it's the best person we can find in this range. And by the way, that probably means that we're going well, to be on the you... upper end of that range. But it's also going to mean now, we're going to get a good point person to make. That's beside both what we're talking about. But I, the question I want to ask is, how do you set that range you're talking about? This is where I wanted I, I, I wanted to bring back something you said. So, to your point, you said smart people know what their worth is in a job market. Small companies, small businesses are not hiring often yeah. unless they're just, you know, growing exponentially and they're hiring every other month. Therefore, they are not knowledgeable about the market. That goes doubly if the management of the company is not knowledgeable about tech hiring because then you have to get approval for salaries that are going to seem high. Um, and that's your job as the CTO to, to, to sell that. But so that, that's where, that's where there's a little disconnect is the, is the candidate knows what they're worth. It's hard for the small well, business I don't to know what the that. right I, I think everyone needs to do their homework. Like, 
Okay. I, I can do my homework. That doesn't mean I know well, the right range. Well, no, but no, I mean, it's not a perfect is, market. But you, you can go and find what are people getting paid. You can ask people. You can, like, I, the reason why I set the number I set is because talking to other people I know in the industry, I know what they're getting, what they're making for what they do and their experience level. Um, I knew the, the, the actual money range I wanted, I knew was out of the question in a remote setting um, for me. Because in Chicago, right. I'm pretty sure if I was working in Chicago and could interview face to face, I could have bumped my ceiling a little bit more, or I could have had, you know, a, a, a position that um, was, I don't know, was executive level kind of crap. But the which doesn't didn't matter to me at all because neither position I interviewed for was in a CTO level which was fine because I never, never cared about that specifically. But my point is I asked around to a number of recruiters. I got, I got great feedback from Kansas city recruiters that said point blank, your range and from Chicago will not apply here. And I got, and I got evidence of that talking to a number of people. They were, everyone was very candid about it. They weren't trying to like pull, they weren't trying to negotiate me down because I wasn't I wasn't a candidate for a job yet. But they would uh, they would just flatly say I, we don't need to proceed because you are out of the range for what this firm wants. <clears throat> or they'd say you need to go talk to there's a big sure. company in town Cerner, like that's Cerner money. You need to talk to them. And I'm like I don't want to work for Enterprise and, and like directly. So. My point is, and, and so my students too, as like they constantly were asking me, what should I be looking for as a student? And I would be pointing them to, you need to be asking these people. You need to talk to those folks. You need to talk to this recruiter because it's on everybody to do their own homework about what the market prices are. So I don't really, I don't know. I guess I don't buy into the idea that a small business has no knowledge of the market. It's like, yeah, you don't, but you should get, you can get it. You can understand what the market pays. Yeah. I, I, at the end of the day, I just, it, it's, it's very true that hiring is sure. a very inexact science. Um, and, and it's a very personal thing. Um, and you're dealing with egos, you're dealing with um, people's sense of worth. So I, all that said, the best way to remove a lot of that is for the company yeah. to be upfront about what they're offering. Because if the company's upfront about what they're offering, you remove you all time. that because people will self-select. Um, you save time. So, I, I, like I said, I, there are arguments for, there are arguments against. Um, I I personally will go forward with the, the company should be the one to make the first move. But I want to be clear yeah. that there are disadvantages to that. I, I that, that It's going to cost the me other, coconuts to the do The other so. factor that and that's companies okay. have to, to consider, especially when you're hiring with an existing team, 
is that you have a salary scale across multiple people and a, and a morale scale. And if you think that your employees yeah. don't talk about what they make to each other, you're living in a world of like, it's just a joke. And so. <laughs> I, 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 I laugh at that because for construction specialties, I know the guys talk yeah. about what they make and how much they're paid for mileage. And, 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 and my people who are in charge of sending those people out are like, I've told them to stop talking. I'm like, you can't tell them to stop talking. They're not, it, they're not going to listen. First off, it, it's, it's a worthless exercise on your yeah. part to even say it. It, they're going to assume they're going to talk and then work within that constraint. And, but the thing is, is I knew I was talking to certain people hiring me that in yeah. a different market locate like a different locale, they'd be making a certain number. And when I quoted in my range and they responded so quickly and abruptly to it, I'm like, Oh, I just quoted your salary. And there's no way they're going to hire me and yeah. pay me what they make because to them it's a, you know, it'd be like, there's a pecking order they need to maintain for themselves. But there's also, but, but also yeah. Yeah. there's a whole idea of, Hey, you know, you're going to make every, you're going to open up the eyes to everyone else in your team as to someone that's smarter about the value of the market. And you, that will, that, there's a detrimental effect to your budget if you do that. So you have to watch out there. I can tell For you sure. right now that developers in Kansas City have no idea how low, how underpaid they are relative to the national remote market. They're a good, they're yeah, all getting paid way below the national market for developers. I'm not, I'm not comparing them to San Francisco. That's a crazy town in New York and places with insane real estate, which really has to pay people a certain amount or you can't keep them there. But KC folks have no idea what their value is on the national scale. They are very content just to do a 40 hour week. Typically is what I've seen. And, and this is totally generalization, but I just haven't seen a developer's market that is very aggressive on the sell the sale of labor side. And I don't sure. know if that's bad because this is not a town that talks about breakneck pace and burnout. They don't, you don't see that drive. I mean, maybe that's what the investors want to see out of a labor force, but it's a quieter city that do, goes through a, a slower, more reasonable process, and the pay is lower. And I don't know. I don't know as the remote market builds up and it's growing month by month. Um, more companies like Stripe has basically created a like they have a new city. They consider it a new um, locale. Locale is remote for them. Because they were, they were, because Stripe, Stripe was looking at right. what a number of different cities to open a new office, and they said, "Let's just open a remote office," and that's what happened. And GitHub has been remote. Like yeah. that's the way things are going, and I think that's where the smaller cities are going to start to find out that their labor is going to start catching on. But right now, Casey doesn't yeah, have to worry sure. about it too much. But that, so really, I do think that there's a side effect of, hey, I somehow have a team that's underpaid to the market. And if I bring someone on 
that understands the market, there's a detri- there's a side effect to that. I think that every company has to keep that in mind. Um, right. I'm trying to think of anything else related to the hiring stuff. Cause I think this is definitely CTO related thinking you have to do, even though I'm now on the, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm not on the, I'll be CTO side. Um, but I do, I was really, the interview that I did with the group was a huge selling point to me at the end. The questions were all funny. Like, you know how a company has like a, when you have a a team, you have inside jokes and inside debates. And that's just natural. Like that's the camaraderie you want on a team. So they basically asked me questions that had no answer because they were debates on the team where people just argue. And it's stuff like, is a hot dog a sandwich? If it, if, if a hot dog is a sandwich, is a taco <laughs> right. sandwich? Um, like those kind of thing, those kind of debates. Is pineapple on pizza ever acceptable? Right. And so the idea was introduce this person, this candidate, to our completely benign debates and see if they could be part of that. And... It was a half hour of a lot of different questions. I got to ask them some questions, see the team, see their personalities. And I was totally endeared to that team and understanding what their, you know, the morale and um, the vibe of it was. And that was a huge selling point to me to have the opportunity to do that. Now it took a half hour out of all those people's day. And if they had four other candidates, that meant that those folks did a video call with three other people. I don't, I don't remember how many candidates they mentioned, but I know there were a couple others. And so, Oh yeah. But you know what, as, as, as a hiring CTO, that's the, I don't have a problem with that. I understand wasting the, the candidates time, but as, as, as the hirer, uh, I, that's that's time you have to. Invest well, I can say it didn't waste my time. I I came out of that, and uh, I came out of that whole session of thinking I could work with these people. I could have fun, do a good job, sure, and work with these people. It was also pretty cool because it's a very diverse team. Like when we talked about diversity last week or our last episode on CTO Think with Jess. And this team has diversity. And that was definitely something I could grasp. And so, yeah, I feel like I really love that. And that's, I mean, you learn, you pick up different tactics across the hiring community. Again, I pick up way more things not to do than to do. But I really liked that part of it a lot for understanding what I was choosing to get into granted they made me an offer and i thought it was so i thought it was really a cool approach i haven't seen that before um most interviews right. <laughs> most interviews are people that especially at the technical level some poor sap that didn't sign up for work that day or had a free hour just got pulled in to, to ask me some boilerplate crap questions 
And when I do those interviews, I'm just like, this is a waste of time. This is pass or fail. And it's going to be, it's not going to be in depth because this person has no context for what I'm getting hired for. They don't really care to be there. And that's when I'm like, this is a waste of everybody's time kind of typically. But so anyway, that was, that's been my last month across doing some projects and stuff, which I could talk about later on. But what's, what has been going on in your world the last couple of weeks? Really not a lot. Um, uh, on the construction specialty side, we've talked some about uh, how, how just trying to, to build some, some minor tools to help um, and, and, and whether I should be spending my time on that. And, and I, I, I have that argument with myself constantly. Um, and at the end of the day, I don't end up spending a lot of time building stuff because I've, I've got mm-hmm. to do other things for the company. Um, so, and, and the cash flow isn't there. The, the margins aren't there for yeah. me to go hire someone either. So we get by with the tools we have um, until I can spend more time on it or we get the margin to where I can uh, spend on it. Um, on the Aspire EDU side, we're, we're building up for, for a conference. Um, we always seem to have one feature we're trying to push um, for the conference. And this is the first year that the feature got in mm-hmm. weeks before the conference. Um, up to the, every year before this, it was the feature went in the week before the conference, or we got enough features in before the conference, enough parts of the feature in before they comes to show it, and then it needed another couple weeks after the conference to finish it. So it's good. It's a good feeling to be not under that pressure. Um, I'm still fighting with trying to decide whether to hire a third person. Uh, You you talked about how when you're hiring somebody, you're doing it in in order to add value to the company, which is true. And and that's what I'm debating is if we add a third person, it, 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 the number one reason for adding a third person is not tangible dollar reasons. It's we have two developers. If we lose one, we've mm-hmm. lost half our development knowledge and effort. So I need uh, it's a risk mitigation, which is worth yeah, money. It's hard to predict. Yeah, but yeah. it's not tangible. Um, so so that that's that's why <laughs> I want those 20 coconuts back. Um so that that's essentially what we're doing. Um, I, I think after all this talk of coconuts, I have to have to go get some they, coconut bread. Well, I don't know, like right maybe a coconut or something that so. people in Florida value, but here I think it's barbecue ribs. People get paid in. <laughs> so you <laughs> haven't put sure. out like we talked one week about the the developer Python developer stuff. So you haven't re- like put yeah. out a job offer or a job listing or anything a job listing no it it, it the, the the conference we go to is also a time when yeah. we talk about uh the future um so we'll have some discussions while we're there about is that the direction we want to go um and, and and then we'll start moving that way i know the minute we i i, I want to be able to make the decision that we're gonna do it and we're going to see it through the end because there, we've in, with this company in the past, we brought a person on maybe part time or, or in some other arrangement and then it works or it doesn't work. 
Um, and then we, we don't pursue it after it works or doesn't work. We, after it doesn't work, I should say, we kind of just let it drop, um, and, and continue on the way we were before. So I think if we we're to do it this time, I want to be able to commit to it and say, okay, we're going, let's go figure it out and, and go from there. So I, I think we'll get yeah. there, but it's probably a couple months away from and, us. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's always for a small business, every hire is a much bigger risk. Bigger companies, companies in a growth spurt, companies that have just gotten funding from a VC, the risk is lower. They hire and with an at-will kind of employment base, especially with today's um, labor force, which is much more gig-oriented and short-term or short oriented, you're kind of building fluid teams. And you have a small company with a team of devs that have been there how long collectively? One has been with us since the beginning, so six years. One has been with yeah. probably three or four years. That's, I mean, that's a long time yeah. for the most small com- most tech companies I've talked to. But you have like your remote, like that's the thing that gets me about remote. Um, companies, you have you provide you are hiring like what are the states your developers are in? Arkansas and Indiana. Yeah, like they're working for a Florida firm out of those two states. Yeah. And those folks don't have to deal with commutes. Yeah. And an office. And it's a huge, like, it's not, I don't, I hate to call it a perk. Yeah. But it's definitely a plus. Sure. Like, it, to me, I, I sit in my little corner office in my house, which is, built for me for focus and lack of distractions. I don't have a TV in here. The the internet and my phone are enough of a distraction as it is. (laughs) And I've got a two windows I can look out. But the, the bigger point is I don't have random conversations that distract me. Like I can have Slack, but I can definitely control that and email. Right. And I still, one of the big pluses of the job I just took is I had a, every remote firm I talked to asked me point blank, how long have you, have you worked remote and what is your experience doing so? Because yeah. they know just as well as anyone that it's not as simple as just like, hey, working out of Starbucks. Like that crap doesn't last. You yeah, cannot sure. be productive in that type of environment. People need a space of their choosing where they can focus and and not be distracted, get work done. And so I want to be able to say in my career going forward, I have worked with large remote teams because I think these are the teams that are going to be the winners in the end. Yeah. And it's go ahead. I'm sorry. I don't care if Google and Amazon are still doing in office stuff. That's not how companies are going to grow going forward, in my opinion. Yeah. And we're reaching that time when the next generation of of workers is coming on. And some of them have grown up knowing only remote work from what their parents. Yeah. And and I'm living that because I've I've worked remote since 2001. 
Um, yeah. So my my oldest daughter was born in 93. So pretty much all she knew was that I was working from home. So she went mm-hmm. and she, she's been in the workforce for, for a while now. And she's like, yeah, I don't, why, why would I want to commute when I can work from home? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, one, you're spoiled. Um, hmm. be, be, because that's not the way the world works uh, yet. You, you, you gotta, you gotta find your, your pick your spots. And, and she, to her credit, she's, she's been pushing it and, she found a remote position and that's where she, that she's now going to do part-time uh, at her current job. So commu- turned her commute from five days a week, uh, an hour each way to two days a week. And the rest of the time she's going to work from home and make more money per hour than she was making uh, in the office. So yeah, uh, she's making it work. But... All right. Well, I think that's, uh, I think that's it for today. Um, yeah. Let's, uh, Let's go get some coconuts. Ribs. I'm in the rib <laughs> Co- market, man. Coconut ribs. Wait a minute. Coconut uh, ribs. No. That... I drink coconut milk with ribs, but not <laughs> not mixed. You don't want coconut on your ribs is what you're saying. I will have coconut. Now, it would be interesting to put coconut shavings on a barbecue chicken finger. Yeah, but then that's just that's just you know coconut breaded chicken. So that's that's nothing new. I'm we we were at a pizza place last <laughs> night and we were talking about pickles on pizza, and I'm like, oh. you know, I wouldn't want pickle slices, but chopped pickle that might be interesting. So anyway, <laughs> let's get out of here. Um, I'm getting right. hungry. So uh, <laughs> all right, man. All right. Have a good weekend. We will talk soon. See you. Thanks for listening to the CTO Think Podcast. Show notes and previous episodes can be found on our website at ctothink.com. Reviews on Apple iTunes are always appreciated and help promote the show. Patreon contributions help us to produce episode transcripts, which allow people that are deaf or hard of hearing to access the show. If you have feedback, ideas, or want to be a guest, please email us at hello at ctothink.com. Show music is Dumpster Dive by Mark Wallach, licensed by premiumbeat.com. Voiceover work by meganvoices.com. You'll hear from us next week.